Welcome to the post-election edition of the Tobler Show. As we try to make sense out of the election passed on Tuesday and um, some results coming in this morning that uh, you're waking up to, um, well, let's just say you might want to roll over and go back to bed because producer Leah tells me there's a little snow on the ground. Yeah. It certainly rained on the on the uh, the the Republicans parade. And this morning being reported that Blake Masters has been defeated by Mark Kelly. The balance of power in the House is still up to debate with uh, 211 Democrats to 201, uh, uh, sorry, 211 Republicans to 211 Democrats. And so uh, still not certain where that's going to land. And a, uh, a resounding disappointment, I, th- I would think, for all who had hoped that the this terrible travesty called the Biden administration under one party rule in D.C. has unleashed on America might be reversed. And it does not look like that's going to be happening. Uh, GOP seven seats away from having, uh, you know, having a majority in the House, but still a number of seats undetermined. It's really, really very, very close. So um, this is not good uh, now. Uh, I wanted to say Guy Lombardo, but Sheriff Lombardo in Nevada has won that gubernatorial race. However, are you ready for this, Leah? Paul, I'm ready. Uh, 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 Mr. Laxalt in Nevada is only up by 862 votes against the incumbent Cortez Masto, which does not bode well because as more and more returns have come in, Paul Laxalt has his lead has diminished. And so I have a feeling it's now 49-49 in the Senate with only Nevada and Georgia, of course, undetermined. Georgia won't be determined until the December runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Um, So um, it's 49-49. And of course, you know, if this Nevada seat goes to to the Senate, it doesn't really, to uh, the Dems, it doesn't really matter what happens in Georgia because it's 50-50 at best could be 51-49. So it could be that in this midterm election where historically the party out of power gains seats in the Senate and the House, that actually the Democrats may win. And that is going to be a large topic that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, all morning, with various uh, guests we have. We have some other stuff other than election because we don't want it to be just uh, monocular and tunnel vision-esque. We're not going to do that here on the Tobler Show. We have some fun stuff to talk about. We have some uh, culture with uh, interesting guest at seven o'clock. I can't wait to talk to her. Good friend of mine. Uh, she's a, a counselor, but also a frequent contributor to the Wall Street Journal. 
and um, a parent and and marital uh, coach wrote a very um, controversial piece. Got a lot of uh, pushback uh, uh, throughout uh, the, the the media and in the letters to the editor. Erica Komisar joins us. She wrote an article uh, that. We're going to highlight at the seven o'clock spot and talk with her about that. But we also have uh, Virginia Cruda at seven forty five. Um, Paul Siegert uh, to talk a little health care. There's some changes uh, that may now go on steroids. Uh, who knows with the, you know, a, a, I guess a, a heightened and a more emboldened Democrat Party. Uh, as Joe Biden took a victory lap or two or three in the wake of the of the um, the election results. And Andrew Krapischetz, who's the founder and CEO of Red Balloon, joins us later on in the eight o'clock hour uh, to talk about what is a unique opportunity for those of you who either own or work at businesses. Maybe you have the ear of the HR department or the owner. Um, if uh, if they're so tired of the woke agenda and having to be politically correct, at least other than with compliance with the Department of Labor. And there's some political correctness involved there. But in terms of uh, wokeness, DEI, ESG, what other alphabet soup can I use? Um, <laughs> this company promotes, it's basically a job board for companies that are anti-woke, anti-progressive uh, agenda and um a great, uh, great blow for freedom between employers and employees. So lots coming up on the show today. Now, Leah, it's snowing today, you say. Well, or, um, or some snow happened overnight yeah, in St. Louis. Yeah, it happened overnight uh, in downtown St. I'm, Louis because uh, definitely wasn't cow. in St. Charles. I, yeah, now, were you uh, were you slip sliding around or yeah, you know, yeah, did you have to kinda, put chains on the towers? <laughs> no, getting off the highway, I was kind of like sliding a little and I was like, what is this all over the ground? I just I wasn't expecting snow. And then I, you know, got off and I started seeing cars with like a light dusting on them. And I'm like, there's oh. no way. I'm like, wait, no. And then I saw more and on the ground and stuff. And I'm like, OK, I guess it snowed last night. Well, it's very interesting. I This is a serious cold snap that's uh, come upon us. Now, yeah. of course, today's the opening day of deer season. Uh, is dad up in a deer stand somewhere, Leah? Is he no, a deer hunter? No, he's not. Uh, uh, but your family is into the paranormal, at least exploring ghosts, <laughs> I understand. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about your, you took a ghost tour. Now, you're only about, uh, what, three weeks late, two two weeks late, because uh, Halloween was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so the, the tour we did actually kind of goes into the winter. But it was called Ghosts of the River Road Tour, um, and it's in Alton. Uh, this author, Troy Taylor, puts it on, um, and mm -hmm. we get on a bus. It's like a big group, and we get on a bus, and we drove down the river road from Alton to Grafton, um, making various stops along the way, and Troy Taylor narrates in the bus, you know, the various places yeah. that are haunted along the river road. Um, so that was cool. And then... Um, we ended in Alton at the Mineral Springs Hotel, which, as people may know, is really haunted. Um, and our tour got the um, surprise of getting to go down in the pool area, which, um, for people who don't know, is like the big hot spot in the hotel for paranormal activity. So we got to go down there, which not a lot of people get to do. So that the, the was, pool area yeah so this this used to be a hotel back way back yeah. in the day and it was a pool um filled with like mineral water like mineral sp springs Ooh. spring water sure. um 
So it was supposed to be like a healing pool. You know, people from all over mm-hmm. would go there to be healed of mm-hmm. whatever illness or sickness they have. So, yeah, they think maybe that's why there's so much paranormal activity in that area is the minerals mm-hmm. kind of bring in Ooh. that, you know. So, yeah, we get to go, we got to go down there and the guy turned off the lights. So, you know, that was that was scary. Um, but we we got some pictures. So I'll share those on social media later today. Now, how did you did you uh, how do you, how does one know that they're being haunted by a ghost? I mean, do you see these little white uh, floaty things like you do in the old cartoons? I mean, you know, they're floating around the room hovering or how do you know a ghost is is a foot? Yeah. Um, I mean, we we've never experienced that. I think our group last night was large enough that we didn't really experience anything. Um, but uh. I mean, things move around the room. I think somebody last night saw like a rocking chair rock a little. Um, so I think it's more things like that yeah. or, you know, like one of the yeah. other ghosts in the hotel is known for her perfume. She's called the Jasmine Lady and you you don't see her a lot, but you smell her, I guess. The stairway, oh. the smell of jasmine haunts the stairway, the big staircase what? in the hotel. Yeah, very. It's very descriptive. This sounds like NPR. The, <laughs> the aroma of jasmine. We walked up the stairs. Yeah. yeah. So, so you go on this tour, and then, um, well, let me just ask you this: Is it was there any uh, along the way? Were there any um, shots being taken of tequila? Any uh, was there anything that might enhance the ghostly no. experience? If I mean, you know what I mean? No, not really. We uh, when we got to Grafton, we stopped at a little, I would call it a little pub, a little bar. Yeah. Um, for like was that before the the pool experience? <laughs> yeah, for like I mean, it was like yeah. ten minutes. You stop and get one yeah. drink. So the go. I got an idea for the host of this tour okay. uh, and all the people that go on it. If, when recreational marijuana becomes legal, uh, the ghost will be rocking that chair and the jasmine's going to be floating, wafting through every room in that house. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. That would be awesome. Okay. So, so you act, did you see the chair rock a little bit? I, I, I this is interesting. I, no? I did not. Um, huh. We were on the other side of the pool that the chair was on, and as we were leaving, some people were like staring yeah. at it, and we're like, "What happened?" I see. And they they were like, "It just rocked, like just back and yeah. forth, just slightly." So yeah, waiting for an apparition to happen, but yeah. you didn't see one. But you no. you believe it may be haunted? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen I've Ooh. seen paranormal stuff before. I've experienced it, but not last night. So really, yeah. All right, would you like to sh- would you like to share? I mean, other than the paranormal reality that the Republicans were were soundly soundly pushed down from what should have been a tsunami to a wave to a ripple to a yeah. I mean, it was terrible on Tuesday. Oh yeah, more paranormal than that you experienced? Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I guess in that sense, no. But. <laughs> I uh I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, I was camping out with a buddy of mine. You know, you know how it used to be in the camp out in the backyard, put up a pup tent. Yeah. And it was fun to just hang out overnight and get out of the house. And sure. I don't know. I must have been in, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. Who knows? Buddy of mine, you know, the buddies you play street high field. Not, you know what I mean? Street hockey. And yeah, people do people play street hockey anymore. You put the tape um, all around your hockey stick and it you have to tape it up all the time because the concrete takes yeah. a terrible toll on it. I don't think yeah. so. At any rate. Um, yeah. And then we, you know, big baseball fans, we'd play the, the, those days. They had a game called All-Star Baseball. 
and it you would have you'd pick your team and you had these little rings that that were reflective of the the like Hall of Fame players the the amount of you know home run space was this wide and mm-hmm. you know maybe the strikeout space was just a little because home run hitters strike out all the time so it was just a little less wide and um uh, you know, and then you would like, you know, Mickey Mantle, Willie, Man- and you'd put that on a spinner. You'd spin it, fit it over the spinner and you'd spin it. And then you'd, yeah, that's how you played baseball before there were computers and all that. Right. That's what we did okay. back in the day. And we'd play that. Well, I remember. And of course we were too young. We weren't, no, I, we never did. My, in those days, your parents didn't allow you to drink at home because you're going to go do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, none of that. None of that. We, we drank Kool-Aid. Ate cookies. That's what that was our that was our playtime as kids, you know, and um, and uh, I, we I remember we got out of the tent to do what guys do when after drinking too much Kool Aid and they're having a all star party. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, there was this hovering, this hovering orb, hovering orb in the sky. And it was pitch black, but this hovering orb. Now, I don't know whether we imagined it and one another sort of a hysteria thing. Couldn't be mass hysteria because two is not a mass. Yeah. But some kind, I don't know. But we we both saw that. And to this day, I don't know what it was. It wasn't a shooting star because shooting stars, you know, they're gone in a, in a flash. I, very weird. I don't know to this day what it was. They didn't have drones back then. I don't know. Are you like. So that was back. That was back like in the late 60s early yeah. 70s you know do you like believe in I don't know. like the ufo stuff and that kind of thing yeah and then of course when i got to be a talk radio uh, fanatic and and listened to uh, mom and dad used to scold me because i'd have it under my pillow you know and I, uh, go to bed randy you've got school in the morning oh but i love listening to <laughs> you know jim white on kmox at that time and all kinds of great you know, stars and and then later overnight art bell the great art bell you're have you do you learn in radio? You're taking you're taking communications, right? At yep. Lindenwood, is that yep. right? Yep. Do they talk about the great history of of talk radio? So, a guy, there was a guy named Art Bell. Okay. At and he used to broadcast overnight. He did Art Bell overnight, and um, made overnight talk radio. You know, the quiet and the quiet of the night. And he was a little, he got into the paranormal stuff, but it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he was, so whenever he would talk about UFOs and stuff, I th- in a way, I think he sort of made fun of some of the guests that were like really crazy about it, you know? Yeah. Like they're coming nightly, they come down to swoop down and peek in your d- window and all that. I don't believe that. Yeah, but, no. Uh, but, but I remember the great Art Bell. He was an interesting cat. He died a few years ago, but he used to, he broadcast from Pahrumpf. Nevada, Pahrumpf, Nevada. Never, never heard a of it. A little place, and you had this picture of him like broadcasting from a little, like one of these RVs in the middle of the desert with antennas sticking up, you know, one of that kind of yeah. a thing. I don't know. Those were the days of talk radio. Only <laughs> eclipsed. Yeah. Only eclipsed by News Talk STL on Saturday mornings with Randy and Leah on the Tobler Show. <laughs> right? We eclipsed that. Yeah. We are the we are the new golden days of talk radio. And we're <laughs> glad that you're with us, folks. 314-912-1019. When we come back, we're going to talk about some goings-on, uh, update the races, uh, the latest, the very latest on the races uh, out in Nevada and uh, and Arizona. And, you you know, you, you may want to, uh, you may want to, Go roll back over and go to sleep. I mean, this morning when you hear what's happening, it's not good. But then some other things in the news, including student loan debt uh, on the table and um, 
some uh, some other things. And so we'll take your phone calls, 314-912-1019. What are your analysis of what happened? I want to go over a couple of Donald Trump's communications uh, and really launch a big discussion about his role in the party. We're going to do that when we come back on The Tobler Show. Thanks for being here at 621. Let everything praise the Lord In the working, in the waiting Let it praise the Lord 626 here on a Saturday morning first day of hunting season if you're up in a deer stand monitoring and i know some of you do when i'm hunting and i'm uh, i'm listening i have my ear pods in especially when it's like i'm taking a little break middle of the day listening to the show during to the station during hunting season um and looking out you know i i make sure i have my harness on in case i fall asleep because that happens you know if you're hunting hard during the hunting season that can happen um and, and don't drink when you're up in the stand. You know, I mean, it's a serious business. You don't want to hurt yourself or someone else. Um, so be careful about that. I know uh, it's a, it can, it's a great, great, of course, American pastime, but just do it safely. So yesterday, the news wasn't real good. And uh, I, I mean, today, the news isn't real good. Tuesday night into Wednesday, Thursday, yesterday, and again today, um, Paul Laxalt, uh, his numbers just continue to fall. 862 votes up for the Nevada senatorial race where he's trying to defeat the incumbent Cortez Masto. Carrie Lake is down 31,000 votes for the gubernatorial race in Arizona. She insists doggedly again last night on Tucker Carlson, like I'm going to win hundred percent certain. Um, if she doesn't win, it's, it's not good for her. I, I, that kind of, of strident attitude uh, is, I guess, healthy to a point, but unhealthy when it's unrealistic. Now, maybe she knows something I don't know, but the other side, uh, Katie Hobbs is saying that they've got it too. So that's still too close to call. Um, so the astronaut Kelly has beat Blake Masters, another handpicked Trump candidate goes down. Um, and uh, this is just, uh, this is not turning out real well. And, and the question on the table needs you to give Leah a call and, and let's let's get you on the air because I want to know your analysis, your diagnosis of what in the world happened in an environment. First of all, with the stage set, midterms historically mean a lot of pickup for the party that's out of power, not only in the House, but in the Senate. And in this environment where voters said resoundingly that the inflation, crime, the border were top issues and GOP was given the best thumbs up from voters on those various issues. So the environment was right. The timing was right just because it was a midterm. And um, what happened? It's it's an interesting analysis. Uh, I it, it's it's frightening that it didn't come out better. Does that mean that the abortion topic? brought out more voters, they were more engaged, more enthusiastic, and they showed up bigger. At the same time, were you or someone you know maybe a little complacent about your position and your support of GOP candidates? Here in Missouri, I mean, it was not a big, there was no real horse race, right? I mean, Eric Schmidt 
beat uh, Trudy Bush Valentine pretty handily. Um, and, uh, you know, generally things turned out well. There were a couple of House seats that flipped in mid-Missouri from Republican to Democrat. There was redistricting involved in that to where the, the uh, party ratios in those districts were changed a bit. So, and, but down in Springfield, a House seat was lost from Republican to Democrat. For the first time in 100 years, however, uh, all of the statewide offices, governor, uh, lieutenant governor, uh, treasurer, auditor, all were, are, and secretary of state are all held, uh, well, secretary of state continues to be held by uh, Republican, but all uh, Republican for this first time in 100 years. So that's good news, too. But 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 nationwide, uh, maybe you have relatives that live in other states. Maybe you have uh, contacts, you know, but it's a mobile business world now. Are you hearing that people were believing the the pundits, especially on the right, that were saying, oh, I mean, this isn't an argument about how big a victory, whether it's a victory, it's how big a victory. Is it going to be 53, 50? Hey, I thought it would be 52, 53 in the Senate. I was wrong because I thought that Republican voters were underrepresented in the polls. And it turns out the polls were actually pretty accurate. In fact, they may have been a little inaccurate in favor of Republicans in some cases. So what does that tell us? Were people voting against candidates who were too close to Donald Trump? You look at you look at Ron DeSantis. He clearly dif- distanced himself from Donald Trump. He didn't he didn't diss him until Trump started a fight. He handily beat Charlie Crist. Why is that in Florida? Why was there a red wave in Florida? Why were seats in New York, three seats on Long Island, flipped from Republic from Democrat to Republican? Why did that happen? Including Sean Maloney, the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. How, how does that happen? Well, if you look at it, Brian Kemp in Georgia resoundingly beat Stacey Adams in a purple state. It's, it's a purple state these days. How does that happen? Well, I think it happens because you can adopt these candidates tended to adopt Trump policies, but distance themselves from the man. And I think that is becoming a theme that Republican voters are going to have to wrestle with. You may have to wrestle with that. How do you feel about that? Have you been unswervingly, um, absolutely granite solid, unmovable in terms of your support for Donald Trump? If so, you may want to consider some of the things that have happened in the wake of the. I think running up to the election, I was concerned because when he was on the stump, whether it was for J.D. Vance, J.D. Vance was the one candidate that he was very full throated in favor of. Uh, Mehmet Oz, he was in favor of. Look what happened there. I mean, Fetterman beat Oz. Well, how does that happen? Was it just because of the carpetbagger effect? Or was it because of too close of a relationship between those two and the candidate becoming more about Trump or at least as much about Trump than they are about the issues? Did did alliance with Trump in that one issue of election denial from 2020, was that a pivotal factor that people came out to vote against the candidate more than for the Democratic opponent? You look at when Trump was on the on the stage on those rallies in support of J.D. Vance and in support of uh, Kerry Lake and others. If you if you looked at the totality of how those rallies went, Trump gave minimal time to the candidate he was supporting. These were in in large measure about Donald Trump and about election denial and about the fake fake media. And it was the same old themes. 
But again, there's as we've seen, when Hillary lost the election in 2016, when Al Gore lost the election in 2000, very close election. Remember the hanging chads in uh, in Florida? Those people sort of went off their rocker. I mean, you know, suddenly Al Gore, he grows a beard and he thinks that the world's going to end in 10 years, 12 years. Crazy, right? Hillary Clinton can't get over it. She's sobbing in one video that she within the last year. She just can't get over it. And I think something happens to these people. And Donald Trump's no different. No matter what he tells us, he's like everyone else. In fact, sometimes he's too much like we are, too thin-skinned. And, and it's showing. And he can't let it go. And the question we need to ask very seriously, putting our emotions aside, Putting aside the fact that Donald Trump was the man for America in 2016, he was what we needed. He was the disruptor. He was the guy that told the establishment, hey, there's a large swath of people out here, the forgotten man and woman in America, and you better start remembering, because I do. And we're going to bring this country back to the respect it is. It had the prosperity that it, it, uh, has, uh, that it had and should have. And we're going to tell China to, to you know, go fluff off. And we're going to tell NATO to pay their dues. That was the Donald Trump we needed. But it started when he lost the election. And whether it was provable or not, I've not seen the proof personally. And there's been several times where proof was claimed and it turned out to not be right. right. Remember when there was the, the claim by, I think it was an analyst down in Texas who said uh, some, he mixed up a county in Michigan and Wisconsin. I don't remember the details, but it was just false facts. And, and Americans, especially those swing voters, they told Donald Trump in 2018 I mean, in 2020, uh, in 2020 to get over it. They told him in Georgia to get over it. And now the lingering effect, I think, had a long, there were coattails of people remembering Donald Trump's vitriol and inability to get over it. No matter how much that you may want it, how much we may wish that he was back in office again. Um, not helpful for him to, uh, to be looking backward rather than forward. And so then he comes out uh, the other day, and Leah, I don't know if you saw this, um, but uh, he is going after Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is going after DeSantis. I did see that. In a way that is just unimaginable. He's sending out um, things to from the uh, uh, from his uh, pack, his super pack. Uh, you know, communications that, that go after DeSantis and basically I made DeSantis and without me, he'd be nothing. And here the other day, he goes off after after um, Glenn Youngkin. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And uh, it's um, it, it's not helpful at all. So he's seething over what happened. He went after Glenn Youngkin. He now causes Glenn Youngkin and he's melting down. He says that Glenn Youngkin sounds Chinese. What is he doing? What's happening to Trump? Seems to be melting down. And we have to ask ourselves the question. Has the time come when it is time for Donald Trump to be um, take a back seat to some other emerging leader in this party? When we look forward to 24, because I think now in the wake of this election, remember, Joe Biden said the other day when asked by. Uh, what do you plan to do when 75% of the people said that the country's in the wrong direction and, um, you know, you may lose the house? 
He said, I'm not going to change a darn thing. This reminds me of Jimmy Carter, 1978, picked up a few, didn't have a bad midterm, actually. And uh, what happened in 80? Well, Afghanistan happened. Uh, the, the, that mess we had the, the uh, takeover of uh, the, the the problem in uh, in Beirut with our with our Marines uh, and and the hostages being taken in uh, uh, in Iraq. And so this is where we have an opportunity in twenty four to turn the tide. But I think it's going to take at this point, um, possibly, possibly. Well, I think it should take a uh, a turn, uh, and we start looking at someone else. Now, that's my position, and I'm going to stand by it. I I have had it with trying to tolerate Donald Trump's narcissism anymore. It's all about him. It's not about us, the people, and America. Though he says it is, it's about him. And I think we need to look in a different direction because I think that was part, not all, but part of the explanation of what happened in this election, why it wasn't a more resounding defeat. I don't think these candidates were that flawed. I think voters, especially independent voters, are still are taking it out on um, the Republican Party because their brand has now been connected with what is clearly an unhinged Donald Trump. And it's sad to see because the guy is the guy that this country needed for four years. He was persecuted. He was treated mercilessly and dishonorably and disrespectfully by the media. I can't I can't deny that. And it's true. But it's time to move forward. And he seems to be unable to do that. So, Leah, what do you say we um, we invite calls and see what the listeners would like to yeah. say? I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. I've seen a lot of people that were really pro-Trump people said, I'm done, can't take it anymore. We'll highlight some of the things he said just in the last several days before Tuesday, uh, after Tuesday. And it's, uh, boy, hard to swallow, hard to swallow. And I don't think helpful at all to the future. I'm Randy Tobler. That's what I feel. But maybe you feel differently. Let's talk about it. 314-912-1019 on 1019-941 News Talk STL. Be right back. just wouldn't do anything different because, of course, our achievements take a long time to be recognized. That's insulting people. And and I don't think that was a good answer from the president. And that was about, you know, he wouldn't do anything different. CNN talking about that. And in fact, um, you know, Biden is taking some hits because he's uh, really spiking the ball. Word was they were they were, you know, popping the corks in the champagne. I'm Randy Tobler. We're taking your calls on election fallout. And what is Donald Trump's future in the party? Is he still the leader? Should he be the leader? Is he partially responsible or wholly or mostly responsible for what happened or what may, let's say, what didn't happen uh, on uh, the in the midterms here? As uh, it's now 49-49 in the uh, in the Senate, Blake uh, Masters has lost to uh, astronaut Kelly. Uh, and uh, Laxalt has a very slim lead, which is shrinking in Nevada. So it could be 50, uh, 49, even before the end of the show. Uh, who knows? We'll keep you updated. If that changes, I'll let you know. Um, 
which would mean that would be 50-49 and Walker doesn't really matter. If Walker wanted 50-50 and Kamala Harris breaks the tie. So um, it's uh, it's it's uh, on the balance. Dave's on the phone at 314-912-1019. How you doing, David? Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on, Randy. Um, I catch a show when I'm getting off from work and, and driving and you know, I'm a nurse here in St. Louis. But, uh, you know, I, I think that a, a, a lot of people are feeling, you know, the same way that you are. You know, I listened to uh, Tim Jones and Chris Harps at the time, like they were fighting <laughs> on my way to work, you know, over the same issues about, you know, what needs to be the pathway forward. Um, but I think that in this current situation, I think there's a lot of blame to go around and not just for people to turn and look at Trump. I think he, you know, he's been chronically attacked and, you know, they raided Mar-a-Lago. And I think this is a guy that, you know, I feel like, you know, anything that's uh, done to him, I think he expects it, but at the same time, I think he's hypersensitive to because he's always being attacked. But, um, you know, he puts his, his name out there, but I think people, like you said, they, they wanted uh, their voice heard for inflation, crime, and an open border, and for foreign policy. Um, you know, I, I've had to, I work weekends and nights, and I've had to stick to it just because, you know, I have to make up for that difference for, for inflation. The yeah. cost of things. But, you know, I think that there needs to be question, and I know you brought up, you know, the, the concern of no evidence of voter fraud, but I'm very confused as far as, uh, you know, 2020 when bellwether areas were won uh, by Republicans, but yet uh, we lost in other areas that should have been won because of those, we won those bellwether areas. But here we got uh, Democrats who hide in the basement, don't debate, and it seems like they're not worried that they're going to suffer the consequences of that. So I think people grow suspicious of um, you know, that type of confidence. And then yeah. these vote totals taking more slowly. And I, I heard that uh, Nevada had cameras go down uh, for eight hours. It's just, it, even if there's no uh, true evidence, I think it grows distrust. And I think people feel I, that. Yeah, I, I don't I disagree with you, Dave. I David, I think you're right. I don't disagree with you. And I think that the problem is now that we have this early voting process. And and unless the Republicans, uh, one of the things that I think is true, there were activists in Arizona who were saying you can't trust the mail-in voting process. So take your mail-in ballots, Republican supporters, and make sure that you drop them off the day of the election at the polling place so you know that no one has interfered from your mailbox to the poll, you know, to the election officials mailbox and sort of created this atmosphere that that was the way to avoid that. And so I really think that's a very it makes sense uh, that, you know, if you're afraid of what might happen in that period of time, what are they going to do with those ballots? You know, because they're counting the other side and traditionally Democrats come in early. Well, if I participate in that, Maybe, uh, you know, they'll know how many votes that they need to make up, blah, 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 blah. And and so they were overwhelmed in Arizona. It's not to excuse it away, but I think it's a more logical explanation for why there's been a delay. And they need to fix it. They just need to fix it. That's not what I'm talking about here. And I'm not saying right. there's no evidence of voter fraud, but whether there is or not, 
It doesn't matter. The point is, the American public, you just listen, just people are tired of the whining and of the, you know, relitigating the past. And it's a shame. I mean, I really don't think that the circumstances were ripe for fraud. I think there was fraud. For all I know, Donald Trump did win the election. Does anyone really believe now that we're going to fix that? And wouldn't it have been better for Donald Trump to spend more time about talking how Mehmet Oz, um, uh, uh, Paul Laxalt, um, Blake Masters, when he was stumping for them, you know, why they're going to fix right. the border, how they're going to fix the border. And rather than I'm you need to vote for them because of me. People have had it with that. You know, yeah. so I think it's a, it's a cult of personality which has uh, taken over. I think that's become the brand that other people see the Republican Party as. And that never, you know, if you had a friend who made it all about themselves all the time, you'd probably say, eh, I don't think I can go out next week. Uh, you know, I'm going to go do something well, else. I don't know. That's just me. In my, in my response, you know, kind of like the, your main point was going back, you know, how do we move forward? I think that for, you know, Trumpism to survive in the America first priorities, I think you need Say Trump isn't the, the go-to man. I think that it needs to be teamwork. You got to have DeSantis and Trump, and and I know you get then you get in. You know, does Trump's even involvement um, dissuade voters? But I I just feel like man, they they want to get rid of Trump so bad, and they want people to to get onto the bandwagon to this make this guy disappear. You know, it's just it's unfortunate that they really just destroyed uh, him between you know big tech and media, they really have been successful yeah, in you know, I agree. destroying a guy. Well, I, pre I appreciate your call. Thanks very much. We're going to move on and uh, take as many calls as we can. Uh, who's next on the line there? Leah, my call screener isn't working. Hey, uh, thanks, Randy. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it very, very much. Well, they hung up. We had like three callers all at once and then we lost all of them. Oh, where'd they go? I don't know. Call back. Call back. Dave stepped aside and gave up the floor so I could talk to you. 314-912-1019. Let's do some rapid fire calls. Let me know. And uh, we'll just take you guys as you call. 314-912-1019. Um, you know, I think the best thing that Donald Trump could do on Tuesday is to say, you know what? It's clear that, you know, while I, it, well, it would be great if, if Donald Trump would show the humility that he has been unable to show. And on Tuesday, instead of announcing his candidacy for 2024, saying, I'm going to raise money, I'm going to advance the Trump agenda and and let's move forward and see. I'm going to clear the way for great candidates, great young candidates who uh, will be here for the long term for you, the American people. And uh, I will raise money. My super PAC, by the way, the super PAC spent very little money on campaigns, very much on rallies and has an awful lot in the bank. And uh, who's on phone? Steve. Let's take Steve. How you doing, Steve? What's on hey, your mind? Good morning. How's it going, Randy? Well, um, going well. I've been involved in this game for a long time, uh, uh, helping with various campaigns. And I think uh, my wife and I have both developed some pretty good political instincts. And uh, We'll go one. I got a seven or eight factors. Everybody always wants to pin things down to one thing. Was it Trump? Was it abortion? I think it was really multifactorial. Uh, my wife, as soon as the Dobbs decision was announced, she looked at me and said, the Republicans are done in November. They're gone. They're going to lose yeah. 
Yeah. And I kind of it was a strong motivator. But I've come to believe uh, start with that has that was a very strong motivator for young women, even Republican yep. women. There's a lot of Republican yep. women. I talked to several, and they're. I've been out knocking doors. I've knocked on over 1,500 doors this election season. Mm-hmm. Uh, even women in their 70s and 80s uh, yeah. really object. And these are houses that my uh, polling, my, my, you know, we have registered voter lists that we use when we go out and, and canvas are registered as Republicans. So I know they're not just telling me they're Republicans. They've been registered and voted in primaries. So I think that, and and I've talked to a couple of well-placed campaign managers with whom I've worked about it, and I think the Republicans, they've kind of blown me off, and Republicans, I think, really stuck their head in the sand on this one and didn't address it. There was no response. Um, But other factors, I think, uh, redistricting, we really can't overlook that. I was in a very strong Andrew Koenig senatorial district. I got Uh redistricted into um, District 24, which was George Hrus against Tracy McCreary. And that goes all the way from very red Fenton all the way up into blue Kirkwood, blue Creve Uh Corps, blue Maryland Heights. So it was pretty much a very competitive district and a very tough battle for Republicans there. So redistricting in certain areas did play a big part. I think Trump, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been done with Trump for a long time, even though I voted for him twice. I did not vote for him in a primary. Uh, he's Me and many of my friends wish he would just kind of go away. Uh, I think Amendment 3 in Missouri played a big part because it brought out a lot of people who never vote in midterms and a lot of young people who haven't voted before. A lot of a lot of pro-legalization people who wouldn't otherwise have voted came out, and they would tend towards the more Democratic side. Um, I think the media and Biden and all the Democratic candidates did a very good job of a painting with a, a Dem- Republicans with a very broad brush as being election deniers and being extremists, and I don't think that was countered very effectively. So I think there's a whole lot of things to look at here. I don't know what what are your thoughts on any of those? No, no, I I, I think you're spot on, and let's not forget the bribe of the student loan loan debt oh, forgiveness. Yes. I mean, yes. that not yes. only that not only brought out Gen Zers to vote at least as uh, as avidly as they have in the past, if not more. But let's not forget about their parents. Many many parents got student loan debt forgiven. Think that one through, right? Is, and so yeah. those parents are going to vote going to going to vote Democrat because hey, if there was. If there was some student loan loan forgiveness forthcoming, maybe there's more manna from heaven coming from Washington yeah. D.C. But tiny. hey, Steve, I mean, that was a that was an insightful analysis. We're running out of time, uh, but I got to tell you, man, I think you're spot on. But but I think the Trump I think Trump puts a tarnish on what otherwise is from a from an issue standpoint a great shining brand. Yeah. And we don't need any tarnish in this kind of a political environment where things are so polarized. That's my idea. Thanks much, man. I appreciate it. I got to run because we're we're up against a hard break, but we'll have time to talk about this later. And I hope you'll call us back. Erica Komisar comes up. She wrote an article that is very controversial about traditional marital roles. Have all your liberal friends listen in when we're at the top of the next hour. 
Randy Tobler with you on News Talk STL 1019-941 on a post-election edition of the Tobler Show. Uh, and it's going to be wild and woolly, so tell your friends to pull up a chair. You pour some more coffee, and Leah and I will be back in uh, just a few minutes with Erica Komisar. You won't want to miss this because this is a quite controversial topic. She basically wrote an article that said, in praise of traditional marital roles. That's not very woke, and we like it. We'll be right back. 